Now this morning, I want to look at the book of Romans with you. <coughs> Just a few verses. I am not the kind of person that feels like that I have to preach on uh, the holiday, depending on what it is. I just got done preaching a, a Christmas, large, actually large Christmas banquet at a church. And to be honest with you, I didn't preach on Christmas at all, all right? And I felt a little bit bad, but I also have to go back to that every message is for a particular people, particular time on a particular message. And you can't manipulate or do your own message is what the Lord has for his people. Today's about Christmas. Aren't you excited? All right? And uh, Christmas gives you all that warm and fuzzy feeling inside, all right? You know, the, just the Christmas season and the lights and the family and the food. Amen. Amen. Isn't that exciting? Amen. And so uh, hopefully you are in the Christmas spirit, but more beyond the spirit, I hope that you'll get with the Christmas message this morning. So let's look at this now. Romans chapter number one. We're going to read verses one through 11. And again, Trisha, I think you have been sitting for a while. Would you mind standing for just a moment, if you don't mind, if you're able? You don't have to, but if you're able, to, would you stand? I'm going to read just a few verses. We'll sit right back down. This will help you stretch and make sure that you're alive and awake. Amen. Look now at verse number one, Romans chapter one, verse one. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle separated unto the gospel of God, <laughs> which he had promised before by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning the Son his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. By, talking about Jesus' resurrection from the dead. By whom we have received uh, grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. Verse number seven, to all that be in Rome. Now let's stop and just say a couple statements and I'll read the rest of these verses. Paul is writing this letter to the believers that are in Rome. Paul hasn't been to Rome yet. <clears throat> we understand, of course, from the book of Acts that he's eventually going to end up there. But Paul had heard about these believers and their faith in Christ because they were good testimony for the Lord. And so Paul's writing this letter to, this, to these believers in Rome. <coughs> and, he, and he tells them, first of all, I'm writing this letter because God called me to be an apostle. God's the one that put me into this office and I'm writing you. So it really gives the authority for what Paul was writing. It wasn't about him, it's what God had for them. All right, now look what he says in verse number seven. Now he's telling who he's writing to, verse seven, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to, to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What's the first word in verse number eight? So the first thing he says, I thank my God. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by any means now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. Now, our text this morning is verse number 11. Would you look at that closely? For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established. I want to talk to you about gift giving this morning from Paul's statement that I want to come to you to give you a spiritual gift. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Speak to us now. Fill us with your spirit. Lord, bless the people who are here. Maybe, and Lord, bless those who are listening. Lord, may we not miss by coming to a church service that we cannot just say that we just showed up. But Father, we came that you might speak to us and help us. And we worship you in that spirit and truth. We thank you for being our God. And thank you for what you do through your word. Would you do that today? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Church family, when I read this verse, to be honest with you, I actually uh, was, uh, gave it as a short, really short devotional to our teachers about a week or so ago. And I've not been able to get this off my mind 
because Apostle Paul cannot give spiritual gifts in the sense that we talk about spiritual gifts, okay? Because spiritual gifts that come from God are only from God, all right? Now, again, I know there's two types of spiritual gifts that we know in our mind, all right? First type of spiritual gift. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what's the first type of gift that can only come from God? What is that gift? In one word, it would be salvation. I'm saved today because I received the gift of salvation. Nobody can make you take that gift. You have to believe. You have to receive. I want to tell you something. Someone can <coughs> excuse me, do all they want to force to give you a Christmas gift, but be honest with you, you can give it back. You can throw it away. You can reject it. But can I just tell you that when it comes to salvation, it's the same way. Jesus paid for your sin in full. All you have to do is believe that Jesus died for you and ask him to be your savior. How much easier can that be than that? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm saved forever. He mentioned eternal security. I like John 10, 28. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish I want to tell you, I know we have a lot of problems in life and we have difficulties in life and financial uh, problems, but can I just tell you, if you're on your way to heaven, you've got the greatest gift you could ever get in your life. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You've got the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you. And I'm just telling you, you should never forget the day you got saved. You ought to thank God every day for that gift. I didn't deserve the gift. I didn't pay for the gift. Jesus paid for it and he gave me eternal life, all right? You glad you saved this morning? Say amen. amen. That's gift number one. But gift number two was also from God. Gift number two was not from Apostle Paul because he could not do it. Now, I want to do, do a little bit of teaching on this this morning, if you don't mind. Again, I'll only be just two or three minutes. But would you turn over to 1 Corinthians with me real quickly here, talking about spiritual gifts. Now, obviously, whole messages can be preached on this, and we don't have time to do that this morning. But 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going right back to Romans 1, so don't lose your place there. In 1 Corinthians 12, this chapter, he, Paul was writing to the Corinthian church here, and he was talking about spiritual gifts. While you're turning, look at verse number one if you're there. Now concerning spiritual what? Brethren, I could, I, excuse me, I would not have you ignorant. In other words, I don't want you not to know this. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. So what he's trying to say is, these people, remember he's, He's starting this chapter on spiritual gifts. You don't have a spiritual gift unless, first of all, you're saved. Now, I don't understand it. I believe it. But when I was 11 years old, when I accepted Christ as my Savior, God gave me a spiritual gift or gifts. I think the Lord's given me at least two. But I, I, God's given us spiritual gifts. By the way, if you're saved, he gave you spiritual gifts. And again, we don't have time to teach the lesson this morning. But those gifts are not for us. Those gifts are for others. All right. Look what he says next in verse number four. He says, now there are, I'm sorry, verse number four, now there are diversities of gifts. All right, Tom, in, <coughs> in other words, there's a variety. <laughs> now there are diversities of gifts, but the same, what's the, what's the word? Spirit. I'm trying to get you to see this morning that spiritual gifts only come from the Holy Spirit or from God. Verse five, and there are differences of administrations. In other words, there are different workers with these gifts, but the same Lord, verse number six, and there are diversities of operations. In other words, different effects from those gifts, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to what? 
every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. These are different gifts. Word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of... Now, again, these were temporary gifts. Obviously, again, we don't have time to teach on all this this morning. Gifts of healing of the same Spirit. To the another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of, of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the self same Spirit... Now think about that, the self-same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. Church family, who divided to every man severally as he will? Who did? Who div who's the one that gave you the spiritual gift? God. All right, so God did. Now, all I'm trying to say this morning, again, I know we can teach whole lessons. We don't have time this morning to teach on spiritual gifts, which ones were temporary, which ones are permanent, what the gifts are used for, et cetera, et cetera. But what I'm trying to get you to see this morning is it's impossible for Paul to say in Romans chapter 1, verse number 11, I can't wait till I get to where you're at because I want to give you a spiritual gift in the sense of 1 Corinthians 12. Impossible. Because spiritual gifts of salvation, spiritual gift of, of spiritual working, those only come from God. So what is Paul talking about? What, what is Paul saying? I can't wait to get to you so that I can give you a spiritual gift. Now, church family, think for a moment here. If Paul, who was not God, Paul, who was not an angel, was just a Christian. If Paul can give spiritual gifts, guess what? So can you. Yeah. Now, talking about salvation, now talking about the spiritual gifts that we, that we receive. The gift, again, Romans chapter, I think it's Romans chapter 6 and uh, 6, the Bible talks about, I'm sorry, Romans 6 or 12, 12 the different types of gifts, gifts of mercy, gifts of giving, gifts of operations, gifts of administration. There are different gifts that we have, but those came from God. So what is Paul referring to when Paul says, I cannot wait to come to you to the church at Rome to give you a gift, spiritual gift. Now church, let me think for just a moment here. I had them bring several of these packages just to illustrate this morning. Can I just tell you this morning that we as Christians give all kinds of gifts at Christmas time but can I tell you the best gift you could give somebody is a spiritual gift. It's a spiritual gift. You know, we spend all kinds of money on people. And there's all kinds of reasons why people give gifts. Sometimes people give gifts because of what they're going to get in return. Sometimes people give gifts because they love somebody. Sometimes people give gifts because they're trying to communicate something to somebody. Ben gave a gift to Adrian. It was round. It had a little diamond. Well, it wasn't really one little, actually pretty big. Had, had a diamond on top of it, all righty? He has an ulterior motive for that gift. <laughs> she should have gave it back to him. <laughs> but she took it. That, that gift was not, I don't suppose you give those kind of gifts to everybody, do you? Okay, that's... <laughs> so I'm guessing he had an ulterior motive for that particular gift, all right? Maybe it was because of a love or affection <clears throat> that he had for somebody. That... <coughs> That gift symbolizes something. There are all kinds of reasons for gifts that we give to one another. But church, I mean, can I just tell you that what Paul did, to what he said, and what he meant to the church at Rome, he says, listen, I've got some spiritual gifts that I want to give you, and I can't wait till I get there so I can give them to you. And I want to point out three things from verse number 11, if you don't mind this morning, that, that's very interesting about this gift. And I want to parallel with us as far as us giving these same kinds of gifts, whether it's Christmas or throughout the year. The first thing I want you to see in verse number 11 is this. It says this, For I long to see you <coughs> that I might impart now, at, that I might impart unto you some spiritual gifts. Now here's, I think it's pretty noticeable. It's very interesting that Paul says, I need to see you. Do you understand that the gift that Paul was going to give that was a spiritual gift could only be given in person? Amen. 
Church family, the United States Postal Service will deliver 16.5 billion cards and packages between Thanksgiving and New Year's. 16.5 billion. You know why? Because somebody decided that I want to give a gift to somebody that I cannot see in person. Can I tell you that spiritual gifts cannot be mailed? They can't be put in a box and sent to somebody and says, I want to help you spiritually, so here it is. Can I tell you that God uses you as an individual to be able to give spiritual gifts to others? And I'm just trying to tell you, your presence is important in the lives of people. You cannot put yourself in some room and hide. You cannot just say, I just send a letter and say, I just want you to make it as a Christian. I'm trying to tell you, listen to me, that if you are going to give spiritual gifts, you have to be present. Well, I really wish this person would make it. How much, time, how, much, how much time have you spent with that person? Well, I'm glad that person got saved and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, their Savior. I sure wish they'd show up for church. I, wish, I really wish they would grow as a Christian. Okay, wait a second here. If you're going to impart spiritual gift, you have to be present. And I'm not talking about you showing up for church. I'm talking about you showing up in their life. I'm talking about you having an influence in their life. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. The word countenance means face. Church family, think about it. You affect the face of somebody else because you see the face of somebody else. Listen, you're a Christian. Can I just tell you the Lord wants to use you in the lives of people, but he can't use you in the lives of people if you're not there. You want your children to raise up, be raised for God. And listen, I, I'm not trying to help, trying to make excuses this morning. I understand there's so many of you, you work like a dog all week long. And you're trying to, trying to raise children for the Lord. But your children are not going to make it unless you're there. You've got to spend time with them. You cannot impart spiritual gifts by having your picture hang on a wall. You impart your, the spiritual gifts. And I'm not talking about spiritual gifts from God. I'm talking about the spiritual gifts that God uses us in our lives to be able to influence others. Church at Rome, I, I just can't wait till I can get to you because... When I get there, I want to impart something to you. The word impart means to share. I want to share something with you. Amen. Our lives are short. The older you get, the shorter you know it gets to be. I'm just trying to tell you, <coughs> it's important for you to spend time. It's important for you to spend time with your spouse, with your children, with new converts, with other Christians. Can I just tell you something? If you're saved, you have a gift. Yeah. You know, Christmas, I know there's some people who give gifts because they feel obligated to give gifts. And that's, that's by the way, that's a wrong reason to give gifts. Right. You know what's really crazy? Is you think that, that if you don't give your gift... A person's going to think less of you. Can I tell you something? If your gift is what makes them think well of you, then I sure wouldn't give a gift. Because it's not the item that causes the influence. It's you. It's you that causes the influence. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not a proponent of don't give gifts. I think if you're, you're able, yes, you should give gifts. Again, it shows our affection, our love, our appreciation for people. But do you understand the biggest gift that they could get is a spiritual gift, and that gift's going to come because of you. All right, quickly, not, not only that, I don't, <coughs> I don't only see that this gift 
had to be given in person. I want you to say something else, kind of interesting. I've already said it because the scripture says it. Look at your Bible again, verse number 11. Please no coughing. You're spreading germs. Whoever's coughing. Stop, stop the coughing. Come on. You're going to get me sick now. Stop this. Unbelievable. What do you think? You're in church? All right. Okay, verse number 11. Thank you very much. We were in Sunday school a moment ago. <laughs> My wife starts coughing. I leaned over to Brother Upshindik was teaching. I leaned over to her and says, you know, you're going to get me sick. <laughs> anyway, I won't tell you what she said. All right. All right, look at your Bible, verse number 11. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some <laughs> spiritual gift. Okay, now, I, this, again, I studied it, and it's deep, okay? <clears throat> spiritual means this, non-carnal. That's what it means. So here's what Paul was saying. Paul said, I want to come to you because I want to give you a non-carnal, something that will help you spiritually. I want to give you a gift. Hey, can I tell you something? The best gift you could give to your son or daughter is a spiritual gift. And I know what they're hoping for, that expensive pair of tennis shoes. I know what they're hoping for, that new phone, earbuds, you know, some tech, tech, uh, technology, some type of mechanical or, or something. And, it's, and you know what? Our kids, aren't they really good? They always find the most expensive thing they, that they can buy. I'm sorry, that you can buy. I don't know how you grew up, but you know, when you grow up and around the Christmas tree and mom and dad always taught us, whoever gives you the gift, you acknowledge them before you open your gift and you say thank you. All right, that's what mom and dad always taught us. You don't just tear into a gift and not even know who it's coming from. And you don't tear into a gift before you say thank you. So that's how we did it. When we were around the tree, someone would give us a gift. We would say thank you for that gift. And then all of a sudden we jump into it. Now, I don't know how, but children have a hard time hiding their expression. There's some types of expression that you cannot hide when you open it up and find a pair of socks. Oh, thank you. Socks. I'm going to tell you something. When you're a young person... Socks do not thrill you. You young people better be saying amen right now. Christmas is coming. Do you understand that the best gift that you could give to somebody is not a physical gift, it's a spiritual gift. Something that's non-carnal. Now church, I mean, I'm always for threes, but I couldn't find three things in this passage, but it's very, very interesting. There are two specific things that Paul says I want to give you that are non-spiritual. And one is in the very next verse, and the next one is the next five verses because it's grouping together. But look what Paul says, the, the gift that he wants them to get that's a spiritual gift. Look at verse number 12. <clears throat> What's, I, like, I like how he did this. What's the first two words of verse 12? All right. <clears throat> in other words, he talks about the spiritual gift in verse number 11. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now think about that for a second here. Paul was saying, hey, listen, I want to give you a spiritual gift. And one of those spiritual gifts <coughs> is sharing mutual faith. Now, here's, here's, again, I'm going to hustle, but there's only two, two, two main gifts here that I can see, and they're very clear in Scripture. Is the first thing Paul said, I can't wait to get to you at Rome because I want to impart to you spiritual gifts, and I can only do that in person. And he says, when I'm in person, I want to share that mutual faith. But church, remember, what was Paul talking about? Mutual means of the same. In other words, he was a Christian. They were a Christian. I want to be able to share the faith of what the common faith of what we believe. Amen. Now, I know this sounds crazy to you, but you know, one of the best gifts that you could give to your children is sharing mutual faith. <coughs> 
My kids are saved. They're on their way to heaven. How do I share that mutual faith? Well, at home I have family altar. How do I share that mutual faith? When it comes before we eat every meal, we stop and we pray and thank God uh, for the food. How do we share that mutual faith? When something comes up, we talk about it in a spiritual manner as far as what is God's will for your life concerning this and should you be doing this? And all, You understand that when we influence others, it's because we're talking about the same thing. It's talking about the Bible and spiritual matters. Now, what we would say is we would say, well, Paul was talking about, which I would not disagree with you. We would say Paul was talking about he couldn't wait to get to Rome so that he could preach to them, so that he could share, he could edify them uh, from the scriptures and teach them as far as what the scripture says. And I would agree with that because you know why? Mutual faith. I'm saved. Are you saved? That was a question. Okay. I'm saved. Are you saved? Mutual faith. Can I just tell you this morning that every time you get up to teach a Sunday school class, you're giving a spiritual gift. Every time you get up in front of a bus route and you're giving an object, a, a Christian object lesson, you're, you're, you're giving them a spiritual gift. Can I tell you every time that you have family altar with the children around, the, around a couch or a table, can I just tell you what you're doing is you're giving them a spiritual gift. I know there's a lot of gifts that you can give people, but church, can I tell you, a spiritual gift's the best gift. The spiritual gifts are the best gifts. Every time that you write an email to a family member that, that talks about your faith and whether they're, specifically if they're a Christian, you know what you're doing? You're sending them a spiritual gift. Can I tell you, we ought to be able to talk about Christ freely, especially with Christians. Why should we be ashamed about what we believe if we have a mutual faith? There are people who put their faith in the wrong things. We don't have a mutual faith. I can't talk to a lost person about the things of Christ because they don't even have the faith. But if you're saved and you know other people, it's a spiritual gift for you to be able to share what God's given you, whether it's something from your devotions or something from Scripture. That's called a spiritual gift. That's the first gift Paul gave, his mutual faith. Look at the second thing he says here. In verse number, uh, pick it up in verse number oh, 13. Now, I would, have you, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you, but was let hitherto. In other words, the word let means hindered. I was hindered hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. Now, Trisha, when I read verse 13, I honestly, I kept wondering if there was actually three gifts that Paul was talking about here. But from, when I'm, from, from studying the context of Scripture, I still think the fruit that Paul's talking about there is talking about people being saved. And the reason I believe that is because of all the verses that follow it. Look at verse 14. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is... I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the what? Gospel of Christ. We call, by the way, we call these the three I am's of Paul. Verse 14, I am debtor. Verse 15, I am ready. And verse 16, I'm not ashamed. He says in verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, Paul, Paul when he said... In verse number 11, I can't wait to get you to be impart some spiritual gift. The first spiritual gift was sharing mutual faith, which could have been preaching or teaching or just simply conversation of Christian things among the brethren. But the second one that Paul says, I can't wait to get to Rome so that I can have fruit among the Gentiles so that I can, because I'm debtor both to the Jew and to the Greek. In other words, I'm debtor to the Jews to tell them about Christ, but I'm also debtor to the Greeks to tell the Gentiles to tell them about Christ. Trisha, I mean, can I just tell you? The only two spiritual gifts that I can see that we as Christians ought to be giving, we ought to be giving spiritual gifts to people that are saved, which means sharing mutual faith with one another. 
This is why we do what we do. This is what God's done in my life. I'm thankful for what the Lord has shared, shared with me and shown me, and I want to share it and show it to you. But then the second spiritual gift, what is it? It's being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so we knocked on people's door. My wife and I got to go for a little bit yesterday. So we knocked on a door yesterday and uh, got a chance to talk to people. And, and uh, it's interesting because it doesn't happen very often, but a lady came to the door and she said, man, we don't get very many people around here like that. Like, what is, what is that? And, uh, but, you know, there are people at those doors yesterday, and there were two people that accepted Christ yesterday, about 15 people that went to Topeka yesterday. But when the gospel is being given, they don't understand that this is what's happening. <clears throat> Do you know for sure that you're on your way to heaven? Can I take a moment and show you what the gift of eternal life? May I take a moment and show you about Jesus? What they don't understand is that you're trying to give them a spiritual gift. And I know there's a lot of people that don't want the gift. Part of it is they just don't understand the gift. They don't, they, they're ignorant of that Christ died for them and he's the only way to heaven and it's a free gift if they'll just accept it. But church, can I just tell you, we ought to be given spiritual gifts, not just physical gifts over Christmas. Can I tell you what one of those gifts are? It's sharing your mutual faith with other Christians. It's about talking about spiritual things and not being ashamed of God. Can I tell you what this, those gifts are? It's telling people about Jesus Christ on how they can be saved. Girls, how are you? <clears throat> are you saved? Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? A long time ago? I got saved when I was 11. How old were you when you got saved? Miss Jamie's class? Good. Do you remember who opened the Bible and showed you how to be saved? Do you remember who it was? Miss Elizabeth? Good. How old are you now? How old? 13. Oh, you look older than 13. Look like an old woman. All right, now. <laughs> Elizabeth, do you remember leading her to Christ? Do you remember how old she was? She's 13 now. You were 10 years old approximately when you accepted Christ as your Savior? Now watch for a second here. I hope you don't mind me using those illustrations. Everybody's watching you right now. Tell me your name again. Cheyenne. Cheyenne? Are you shy, Cheyenne? Sometimes. Sometimes? Okay. <clears throat> Cheyenne, you didn't know this, but when you were sitting in Miss Jamie's class and Miss Elizabeth came and she said, hey, listen, do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? And you said, probably no. And she stopped and opened up a Bible. It looked like a Bible, but it really wasn't just a Bible. She was sharing, she was trying to, she was trying to give you a spiritual gift. Amen. She was saying, hey, listen, if you'll understand that Jesus died for you, paid for your sin, and if you'll just simply ask him to be your savior, he'll save you. Is that kind of what she told you? Did you pray that day and ask Jesus to save you? Okay, so here's what happened. <clears throat> she was trying to give you a spiritual gift. When you prayed and accepted Christ, you received that gift. Now, I know the gift comes from Christ because Jesus is the one that died for you. But she was giving you a spiritual gift by talking about spiritual things to you. And you accepted Christ as your Savior and you received that gift. There's a lot of people who don't receive that gift. Oh, I don't need to be saved. I, I don't believe that. I want to tell you something. I'm glad that Cheyenne's smart enough at age 10 to understand that she's a sinner needing a Savior. Because there's people who are 30 and 40 and 50. They're still trying to get to heaven their own way. Well, if I go to church, if I live a, good, live a good life, I obey the Ten Commandments. No. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, I'm just trying to tell you that Elizabeth decided that she was going to come to Sunday school one day and that she was going to give a spiritual gift to somebody. Now, that, she could have been, that could have been rejected, but she, that's what she does as a Christian. She gives spiritual gifts. Church, all I'm trying to say is this morning is you're no, you're no different than Apostle Paul. 
And Apostle Paul said, I've got some spiritual gifts to give. And one of those spiritual gifts is I can talk about spiritual things with brothers and sisters in Christ. Things that the Lord's done in my life. Things that the Lord's doing in my life. I can share those things with the brethren. Listen, why are you trying to talk to lost people about spiritual matters? They don't understand them. So Paul says, hey, listen, these are the two spiritual gifts I'm going to give. I'm going to give, first of all, spiritual gifts of sharing mutual faith. Secondly, I'm going to give, in verses 13 through 16, I'm going to share the gospel. <coughs> now, I want you to look at one last thing about this gift. It's in verse number 11, and I'm done. Verse 11, it says this, For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gifts to the end. To the end. What's the purpose of this gift? To the end ye may be, what's the word? That's what you mean? Paul says to the church at Rome, I want to give you a gift, and the reason I want to give you this gift is that you'll be established. The word established means to set fast, to strengthen, or to turn resolutely in a certain direction. Do you understand that spiritual gifts are for the establishment, whether it's for the lost, the establishment of being saved, or whether it's for the saved, the establishment of being edified in their faith? You know, how many times have we said this, and again, it was alluded to in the Sunday school hour. For a young person to make it, the church, the home, and the school or the church home and education, however you want to call it, they all need to be going the same direction. When you have one or the other that's influencing a child going in opposite direction, it, uh, a double-minded man is... And by the way, a double-minded child is unstable in all those ways. Think about it. Uh, you know, they're, they're taught all of their life for something at, from the church, and then what happens, we as parents do, do what we want <coughs> and do maybe the opposite, and what happens is the child will never tell their parent, hey, you hypocrite. They're not going to do that. But you know what you're doing is you're raising into your child, okay, my parents do it this way. The church preaches, and I say the church. I hate even using that, that reference, even though the church is a called out assembly. Let's just say the Bible teaches it this way, but my family's doing it this way. We send a mixed message to that young person so that they grow up and they look at that as a hypocr hypocrisy. And hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor. Yes, amen. By the way, we show our children too. You know what causes you to be established? Is edification. In fact, God commands you as a Christian to edify others. Romans 14, verse 19, same book. Let us therefore follow after these things that make peace and the things wherewith one may edify another. First Thessalonians, wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another. One of, my, one of the most helpful verses to me is 1 Corinthians 10, 23. And, and here's what he says. He says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. The word all things are lawful, all things are not expedient. The word expedient means not proper and fit. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All, and he goes on to say it again. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. What Paul was trying to say is, is yeah, I can do that, but it's not going to edify somebody else. It's not going to build up somebody else in their faith. It's not going to help somebody else. Hey, church, I'm done. You, do you know why you should sing out loud during a church service? Because believe it or not, that edifies the person next to you. I know, I know it might hurt their ears, but it edifies the person next to you. When you sing about the Lord, it causes them to want to sing about the Lord. I'm not a psychologist. I'm just trying to tell you. I've been pastoring for a while. There are certain things that can take place during a service, and, and I catch them, all right? Catch number one. 
you always sing better on a second song than you sing on the first song every time. It's a very rare time. Sometimes it could happen, but for the most part, I don't know what it is. It's like, you know, the first song gets you to the idea of, oh, we're singing. I guess I should sing too. So by the second song, it's like, oh, I don't know if you ever noticed the spirit of a service. When a person is stiff outwardly, oftentimes that's because they're stiff inwardly. Not always, but there's, a, there's, a, there's an indicator there. That's why I can only go to a place one time and then they say, I'm not having that guy back again. Because I don't have a problem if the Lord so leads. I don't have a problem coming down to where you are. Listen to me. If a person is sleeping during a service, I learned this a long time ago, they don't get anything. I know that's a real deep and it takes you a while to figure out that when somebody's eyes are closed and they're snoring, they're not listening to you. So since I figured that out, I decided that I'm not going to go through a church service where a young person is just going to sleep through the service. If they're going to sleep through the service, I'm going to call them down. Because you know what? They can get zero if they're sleeping. That's pretty deep though, isn't it? Isn't that right? If you're sleeping, are you going to get anything? I mean, besides a good night rest. Apostle Paul was just trying to say, hey, listen, I want you to be established. I want you to be firm. I want you to get what I'm trying to give you. Can I just tell you something? God wants to use you in the same fashion. You don't have to be a preacher or a missionary for God to use you. And I'm going to just tell you, you can't do it by letter. You got to do it in person. You influence people by rubbing shoulders with people, by talking to people. Church, do you understand that when it comes to the spiritual gifts, that God wants you to be able to give spiritual things to other Christians? There's nothing wrong with talking about spiritual things with family and friends and church family. Those who are saved. And can I just tell you that as a Christian, you, are, you have an obligation to give spiritual gifts. You know what that obligation is? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, that's just not me. I'm not a pastor. You're a Christian. How obligated would you feel if there was a house burning down and you drove by and saw people in the inside and burning down? Would you just drive on by? Would you not stop and call the fire department? Would you not try to stop and try to help get people out? Well, I want to tell you there's a worse fire going on than on the side of a house called Lake of Fire. It's called a place called hell. Spiritual gifts. <clears throat> we talked about giving gifts this year at our house. And, you know, my wife, man, I tell you what, I'm so glad. My wife is so, so frugal, so she looks for gifts throughout the year. And she finds things that, you know, might be worth, for sale, be, be $25, and she gets them for $5, all right? She just yesterday showed me something that she had purchased, and uh, she showed me the back tag. She, she gets thrills in those things, the back tag and what she really spent. And uh, she's always saving me money. Amen. Did that really come out my mouth? <laughs> all right. And she saves me money by, she thinks all year long, oh, this person's going to have a, a birthday in a year. And so she thinks about that particular person. And she when she goes out shopping, she doesn't shop for anybody else, or for herself, I mean, she shops for everybody else. She, she has bought things for staff. I mean, Brother Daniels is size, what, 14? Okay, so she knows that Brother Daniels is going to have our time finding shoes for size 14. I can't tell you how many pairs of shoes she has found. And they're always on a rack that, are discounted because who in this world has a size 14 foot? <laughs> oh, uh, Josh, you're in here. I thought, I thought you were in the radio room. <laughs> okay. Size 14 is a common size. And so, but whenever she sees that size 14, 
Uh, she's called me a couple times. She said, hey, listen, I found two pair here. The last time I think this happened, I said, listen, you better call Josh and find out if he needs two more pairs of shoes. <laughs> and I'm thankful for somebody who looks ahead how that she can give a physical gift. But church family, you don't have to wait till Christmas to give spiritual gifts. You can be a gift giver all year round. Some of you husbands and wives in here, when's the last time you talked about something spiritual with each other? Oh, we have to take care of the kids. We got we to get over for this appointment. We got to do that. Wait a second here. When's the last time that you gave a spiritual gift to one another? Can I just tell you that pulpit's not the only gift giving. You're a gift giver. <coughs> Christmas is here. May it remind all of us about giving gifts, but may more than that remind us that we should be giving spiritual gifts to one another. To the saved, spiritual things. To the lost, salvation. May we continually try to give those gifts to others. Hey, you're here this morning, and you're, you still have some doubt about salvation. Can I just tell you, would you not please receive the gift this morning? Don't be stubborn. Don't be shy. Oh, I can't go up there. I don't want people. I'm not asking you to come to the pul pulpit. Would you, at least if you're a fellow, would you go over to the side with a fellow? Let someone take five minutes and just show you from the scripture. Would you go over to the side if you're a lady? Let a lady take five minutes. Just show you from the scripture what the gift of eternal life is all about. Amen. We're all, we're all going to die. Amen. And you're going to spend eternity either in heaven or hell. Right. Last night we finished up. I, I promise I'm done now, okay? I think I said that earlier. Hey, it's 1129. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, so you haven't missed lunch yet. It's not even noon. Lady was walking out last night, and she said, she's a visitor, and she said, you very rarely hear anybody talk about hell. You know, we want everything to be all fluffy, happy. Can I just tell you, there's judgment, and there's mercy. Mercy is when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're on your way to heaven. You know what judgment is? We need to pay for your own sin because you rejected the mercy. Right. So if you're not saved, I hope that you'll let someone just show you. Take a few moments, let you, let you see it. You say, is it that easy? It's that easy. Yes. Hey, uh, Cayenne? What is it? Cheyenne. Cheyenne. I'm thinking about food already. <laughs> Are you glad you're saved? Yeah. If you died right now, where would you go? If you died tomorrow, where would you go? If you died 10 years from now? If you'd have died before you accepted Christ as your Savior, where would you have gone? Hell. That's right. Hey, come here for a second. Come right. I want to show you the epitome of intelligence. She knew she was a sinner and she accepted Christ as her Savior. Thank you for your help today. God bless you.